I went out this week to, to, to seek God for today, and normally when you do a Mother's Day, it's a pretty standard thing. You thank the mothers, you blah, blah, blah. It's pretty normal. But I think it was Wednesday, wasn't it? I went out on Wednesday to a coffee shop, sat down with my pen and pad, and I tell you folks, an overwhelming sadness came into my spirit, and I didn't understand it. And I sat and I waited, and I thought, God, I'm getting ready for Mother's Day. <laughs> ow! Ow! And I sat and I waited and I waited. I thought, what's that? Surely I, uh, I, I should be rejoicing or glad or whatever. And slowly the fog began to clear. And I began to see way beyond this building. Way beyond the women in this room. We thank God for our moms. Amen? Amen. I thank God for my mom. She was excellent. But I began to see way beyond this building. And you know what I saw? I saw things maybe just for a moment from God's perspective. Look at me, please. Mothers, from God's perspective, 125,000 abortions a day. 40 to 50 million mothers having abortions every year, 40 to 50 million. And I suddenly realized that my distraction and my delight in my small world, suddenly God took me out of this world and showed me it from his perspective and wanted me to carry as we, I went home and I just cried. I said, man alive. I mean, I've done many Mother's Days, but I think God wants me to say something. He wants to speak to the nations. Do you know what? One of the messages we put up Last year, from this church that I preached here, 46,000 people downloaded it. 46,000. I don't mean three-second views. I mean downloads, full downloads. 46,000. And I just feel this morning, I want to speak to the nations. I want to speak to those women, those mothers who have had abortions. Amen? Because do you know what? Day after day, the guilt of that, the pain of that, for some people, they, they, they can barely live with it. And they see the sign outside our door that says, you know, Jesus Christ is, is Savior, everybody welcome. But in their heart, you know what they say? But not me. But not me, because you don't know what I've done. About 20 years ago, I was, uh, we had a TV studio, I was preparing a TV program for women, early one morning, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning. And I had what I was going to present prepared. But that day, like this week, I had a clear word from God. He stopped me and he said, I want you to tell those who have had abortions to come to me. I want you to, can you imagine 40 to 50 million a year, right? In two years, a hundred million. In three years, it that's a lot of women this morning. A lot of women who don't go to church. A lot of women in pain. And I just think that God wants us to take at least to some degree responsibility and share his pain, share their pain, and pray and maybe just send a message to the world that it's okay to come home. It's okay to come back to Jesus and he will accept you. He will receive you just like he has all of us. Amen? Probably never, never in history that I know of has parenthood, and that's what I want to speak more about today. 
never has parenthood been more under attack. Would you agree? In Los Angeles, they're, they're currently trying to promulgate a law which makes the school and the government the primary source of care for children, not the mother and father. Because their, their argument is parents can't possibly parent their own children. They haven't got time for this. They're busy. They're working. And I heard some of the discussion last week. And they want to bring it into law that the schools, hello, no thank you, the schools will take that responsibility and parents would have to give that over. Anybody want that? No, thank you. And I, I, I think you will agree with me. Probably never in history has parenthood been more under attack than today. And I, I want to ask ourselves, what are we doing about that? Not just within our own homes, and that's important, or within LFC, that's important. Within VFC, that's important. But globally... Many years ago, I was starting a church meeting just like this, and I said, if you have been adopted, put your hand up. And there was about 100 people in the meeting. Not one hand went up. And when I finished the message, I said, if you have been adopted, put your hand up. Every single hand went up. Because it depends what you mean by adopted, right? Anybody been adopted? Every, if you're born again in this room this morning, you have been adopted. And the Apostle Paul takes a strange approach when he talks about motherhood, fatherhood, parenthood. He cries out three times, he says, when addressing these issues, don't you know that you have been adopted? Don't you know that you have been brought into the family of God? And he uses that perception to change the hearts of men and women, of mothers and fathers. And the day that I forget that, it's a sad day because it alters the way I father. It alters the way a mother can behave. It's with great regret we know that children are seen today perhaps as an inconvenience. Maybe it was an accident, an unintended pregnancy. And in times gone by, they would have just had to endure. Yes, and just had to go through the process and maybe give the child up for natural adoption. But today, abortion is most definitely an option. And I'll tell you this, speaking as a pastor for 30 years, people don't talk about it. People don't talk about it. They talk about just about everything. You know that? People will talk about nearly everything. But the one and probably the greatest secret within Christians and the lost out there is this one, friends. And I tell you, where there's secrecy, there's trouble. Where there's secrecy, there's pain. Where there's secrecy, there's hurt. And I want to give permission, as it were, this morning to whoever's listening around the world and to you in this room to come back to God. There's no secrets with God, amen? To our families that it's okay to come to God. Unfortunately, abortion has become an easy option. 20 years ago, there was a young guy in this city called Damalola Taylor. Anybody remember that? A young black teenager, in fact he was 11, and he was on his way home from school. Very happy child, very stable family, everything was fine. And on the way home from school, there were 11 kids who saw him, and for no reason, they chased him. They chased him into a block of flats, 
up a stairwell, and one of those kids, 11-year-old child, had a knife. And he stuck the knife in Damalola's leg, and he bled to death in that stairwell. And I remember that very, very well. Because there was many documentaries, there was television programs. And the reason it became such a big case is this. Of the 11 boys in the gang who killed Damalola, guess how many had no father at home? 11. 11 out of 11 came from single parent homes. And because of that, the government made like a big case of this and said, what are we going to do about this? Now, I, I remind you of that incident for this reason. That was 20 years ago. And I can remember churches like this dealing with um, the absentee fathers. Remember that? Well, with great regret, folks, it's 50-50 today. The problems with fatherhood, it's pretty much equal with motherhood as well. It is. 120,000 a day abortions. So the, the problem has become, in my opinion, globally much more equal. If you look at America, in the last, has anybody followed the news in the, in the States? A huge outcry over partial birth abortion and trying to change the law so that the woman's child is in the sixth, seventh month, right? Eighth, and this child's fully formed. This child's ready to be born. And the doctors are going into the womb, cutting the child to pieces and pulling the child out of the womb. So, and they, they want to bring it right up as far as they can do. Heart, terrible days, very reminiscent of the Old Testament with, you know, Dagon and Baal and all that, which was always child sacrifice. So, is the problem fatherhood? Is the problem motherhood? From my perspective as a pastor, it's parenthood. It's both. And the skills have, sadly for me, they've become much more balanced in where the problem lies. I repeat, if you ask the Apostle Paul, he would bring you back to a root perception that changes a person. And the perception is this. When I realize that I have been adopted, that's what changes me. It changes my heart. It motivates me at a higher level. Let me give you a few examples from people who their testimony was exactly that. Marilyn Monroe, surprise, surprise, adopted. John Lennon, Steve Jobs, Jack Nicholson, Eric Clapton, Bill Clinton, Nelson Mandela, Jesse Jackson, and on and on it goes. And if you listen to the testimonies, the life story of these people, they will say that I was nothing, I was cast out, and yet, by some hand, my life was graced. And that's what changed them. And Paul, as I say, makes this point. I don't want to keep you long this morning because I know you're going for dinner, right? Look at these quick points here. Just to understand adoption and abortion. We have a culture of abortion. And I pray we can change that to a culture of adoption. Amen? And that goes for me as well, by the way. I'll, I'll explain that as we continue. Adoption number one is costly, very, very costly. If you want to have a child, nobody virtually makes an assessment of you, right? We just moved into an apartment, and before we could move in, they wanted all our bank statements, they wanted your income, they wanted, there was an assessment made. If you go for a mortgage, right, there's an assessment made. But if you want to have a child, <laughs> carry on. 
And yet that's an incredibly expensive business. In the UK currently, to have a child ranges over until 1718, 75,000 pounds to 250,000 pounds. Brandon, you can tell Steph, you cost me 250 grand. <laughs> it varies depending on the income of the family, but that is a lot of money. The price goes down as you have more. So you've got two, buy one, get one free kind of thing. 75,000 to 250,000. And a lot of that weight, as we know in the UK, is put back onto the state, right? In, in a huge way. Um, that's another story, but it's true. So Jesus said, before you build a tower, count the cost. And the cost of child rearing is a very serious, monumental cost, right? I can have a child, folks. I can have a child. I can pay the bills for that child. I can love and cherish that child. I can educate that child. Everybody look at me. Do you know the one thing I can't do? Save the child. But six months after I buried my wife, I was in Singapore in a very large meeting. And in the middle of that meeting, I tell you what, I let out a roar that shook the people and shook the building. <laughs> I let out one almighty roar and I could hear the thoughts of the people around me. Whoa! And I could hear them thinking, is that anger? Is that pain? Is that grief? None of the above. Do you know what that was? Total praise. Because I could pay my wife's bills and they were huge. I could care for her. I can look after her. But I can't save her. I can't save her. And just every now and again, I become overwhelmed. I just want to run and grab Jesus. You with me? I just want to grab him and say, thank you, Jesus, that the grave is not the end. Hallelujah. For our loved ones, the grave is not the end. And I thank God for my mom. And today we do that around the world. But don't forget Jesus. Right? Don't forget Jesus. And this, as I say, is Paul's point. Remember the Lord your God. Let me tell you a secret. Don't tell anybody else, right? When my mother was alive, and my father was alive, and my wife was alive, and my two best friends were alive, do you know what I did? I gave thanks to God for my mother, my father, my wife, and my two best friends. But do you know what's happened to me? As everybody died, my two best friends, so don't, don't become my best friend. They both died. In fact, they all died. They all died. My mom, in 10 years, my mom, my dad, both my best friends, and then my wife. And you know the end result of that on me? Praise. I've got no friends, but I praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It turned, my, my, my attention turned to praise the Lord, to thank him. Because the more people leave, the more I realize, oh, Jesus, I need you. Yeah. Right? I need you. I thank God for my mom, but I need Jesus. There's a cost involved. Adoption is costly. Secondly, it's legal. The, the classic picture of this in the Bible is in the book of Ruth. If you remember, there was Boaz who represents Jesus. He was a wealthy, very kind, very generous landowner. There was... Naomi, who represents the natural birth, or Israel. And then there was Ruth, who represents 
you. And Ruth was in her society a nothing, a cast out, gleaning corn at the side of a field, a nobody. And yet the mercy of God reached that girl. Amen. Do you know who she is? You. That's you. Mercy. For no known reason. I thank God for yours. It's in, you hear people say, my grandfather was a slave or whatever. Mary's mother was a slave. Not her grandmother, her mother. Okay, Columbia is a tough place. And we were talking yesterday and talking today about that Ruth type of situation where you're sold off into some terrible situation, right? And yet, by the grace of God, she was able to get free. You got saved. Mary's got saved. Brought the gospel back into that family and totally transformed. Hallelujah. And that's what happened to you. You were sold to the devil, right? Born in sin. And Boaz, Jesus, has come to save you. You have been rescued. Now, if that doesn't result in praise, God forgive us. Amen? It should result in a mighty roar of praise. This adoption that I have had has been costly to God. I once had a couple come to me to ask about adoption. Would you sit and look at the criteria? And we sat and looked at the criteria. Poof. Wow. There's a lot of stuff. And we got document after document. And in the end, they said to me, do you know what, Pastor Mike? Too much red tape. And I'm not blaming them or anything, but I can't, I, I'll never forget as they walked away. I remember thinking in my mind, it's a good job Jesus didn't say, this is going to cost too much of my red blood to save you. Because it did. Amen? It's costly. The adoption, God has chosen to adopt you. That was costly. It was legal, as with Boaz. Thirdly, and again, Paul points this out. This adoption that I have had is supposed to cause me to cry, Abba, Father. Everybody say, Abba. Abba. Say it louder, Abba. Abba. Abba, Father. Now, if you don't cry, Abba, Father, you haven't got Paul's point. He says, I have been redeemed, bought back. I have been adopted. Keep listening. These are different things. I've been redeemed, bought back. I've been adopted. Now I've got a spirit of sonship through which I cry when I'm in trouble, Abba. What do you cry when you're in trouble? Where do you go when you're in trouble? And when people go to, you know, in the last seven years, I've dealt with five cases of witchcraft, all African families, where I've got phone call to come in. And you go into the family, and do you know what's happened? Always a crisis. Someone in the family or the whole family are facing a crisis. And it's a crisis that they feel that God is not answering them. So do you know what they've done? They go back to Africa. And they get witch doctors to give spells and post potions and stuff around the world. And you go into these homes and you say, what on earth are you thinking about? Who is your Abba? And what they'll say to you, but we hit a time of crisis. We hit some trouble. In the trouble, who do you call? In the trouble, you don't, you've been adopted out of that. You've been taken out of that. That's your past. Amen? And I'm talking about people of all ages, by the way. I'm talking about young people and older people who, who reach back into their past where they've been saved from. And it just shows you that that's, the awareness of their Abba status, of God as my father, the one that I go to, 
I ask you again, please don't answer the question, but answer it in your own heart. In times of crisis, where do you go? In times of crisis, what name is on your, is it a person? Is it a person you turn to? Who do you turn to? It needs to be your Abba Father. I, I, I ran a drop-in center for heroin addicts for three years with Jeanette in Dublin. And in that place, occasionally, someone would get clean from heroin and we would reunite them with their families. There were some very emotional occasions. But the one common denominator with a child who's run away from home, listen carefully, parents, a child who's run away from home, they've gone on heroin or cocaine or whatever, and we manage to get them back through Teen Challenge, get them detox, and bring them back to the parents. When you sit in the room with the mother and the children, say it's a mother and daughter or a father and son, do you know what the father says? Why didn't you talk to me? Why didn't you, Abba? Why didn't you cry, Abba, Father, to me? You know where we are. You wouldn't talk to me. Always the same. And then the children, I can't talk to you. You see what I mean? The spirit of sonship was broken. And I'm sorry, folks. I want my son to be able to talk to me. I want my daughter to talk to me. And the, the Bible has an answer for this. You know, there's an app for that. And it's called sonship. It's called sonship. When you receive that spirit, you become someone that people can go to. Not run away from. It's a sad, it's a sad thing. And I thank God for Paul's insight here. I, I'm redeemed, but that's not all. I've been adopted. That's not all. Now I'm a son. I'm a son who knows he's a son. Oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Many families where there's more than one child. Say there's five children. You will see the children come in, but very often there's one stray, isn't there? <laughs> there's one child who doesn't quite feel like a son. This person's your, this is your daughter, this is, but I just don't quite feel like I fit in. And if that's you this morning, that could be a consequence of bad parenting. It can be spiritual. It can be all sorts of things. But don't let that be your portion. I repeat we fix this by going to God. We fix this in the first instance. We become better parents when we go to God, receive a spirit of sonship, and by that cry, Abba, Father, that fills us with confidence and fatherhood. Amen? Oh boy, could our society do with this or what? May God bless the world today. Costly, legal, sonship, and ultimately, there should be a spiritual transformation within me as an adopted child. If coming to church every Sunday, you know, for 10 years, I have not been transformed by that, something's fundamentally wrong. Amen? Do you remember Saul? Saul was a bad father, bad parent, bad king, bad leader. Saul's grandson was Mephibosheth, remember? And then you have good parenting, King David. Good father, good king, good leader. What happened to Mephibosheth? Taken out of bad parenting, right? And adopted into a good father with David. Now, my question to you is this. Should Mephibosheth, remember, Saul was into spiritus and all that, right? He was heavily criticized for it. So Mephibosheth comes out of this. 
He goes into a good father. My question is this. Should his behavior change? His behavior should change. He shouldn't go back to the ways of Saul, should he? And so this adoption that I have received, this costly, legal, expensive adoption, should fundamentally change who I am. You can say amen there. And if it doesn't, it's, it's dysfunctional. Something's wrong. I repeat, there are many sons who don't feel like sons. Many daughters who don't feel like daughters. And this understanding fixes that. Fifthly, can you outgive God? <laughs> he also makes me an heir. An heir of the Son of God. An heir co-seated with Christ in heaven. Let me talk to you guys here on the front row. Evelyn. And Brian, Pat, as I was praying on this, right, I remember years ago when I was a lost person, I wanted God. I wanted God, but I didn't feel God wanted me. I just, you know, that phase where I'm too frightened to go to a church. And there was a church beside my house called Calvary Baptist Church. And I used to go down and then I'd bottle out. I'd go down on Sunday morning and I'd just walk past the door because I was too frightened. I felt God didn't want me. This morning I walked in, walked straight down the aisle, put my coat on the seat and sat down. There's a difference. What a difference. Today, you may think there's nothing's changed in you. Today, the four of you walked in this building with no hesitation, no feeling of rejection. You feel like it's your home. You need to praise God for that. Because people are out there. Last week we met them, Michael. People too afraid. I stood over at the, what's that, pawn shop across the street. And this woman, she, I think she wanted to talk to me. So I spoke to her for a while. Two disabled children that she's looked after all her life. So we got into conversation. I said, I, I understand that. I was also a carer. And we got talking. And we talked a long time. But to my shock, as she went to leave, I said, oh, by the way, let me tell you who we are. And she stopped me and said, I know exactly who you are. Oh, <laughs> I know who you are. You're over there. You're in that little building over there. I know you. I know. She said, very generous people. That's what she said. That's your Tuesday evangelist. Very generous people. But you know the sad point? She walked down the street straight back, straight past the building. Not a son. Not an heir. Are you getting this? People walking past our door every day. I mean the church. But this morning, you had the God-given confidence to walk in here and sit down without an apology. And you need to thank God for that. That's your air status. Number six, you're not an accident. Must be terrible. I've never met anyone where their parents say, oh, by the way, you were an accident. Um, But I'm sure it happens. You're not an accident. My salvation is not an accident. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God didn't say, oh, no, look what's happened. Okay, that is not the scenario. This is all incredibly planned through history. Eyes forward, just stay with me, I'm almost done. I had PowerPoints, but they failed to download. I had a couple some years ago from Nigeria, and they got married. I did their wedding. Lovely couple, intercessor was the woman in Glasgow, and they started trying for a child. 
and they couldn't have a child. And you know, the first year went by, the second year went by, and in the end, they, the, the, the woman, who was a lovely woman, just began to get depressed. I want a baby. I want a baby. And one day I said, I want to come to your house. I need to come and visit. So I went to the house. It's a good picture. It's a pity we haven't got it. I went to the house and I sat down on the sofa. And I, I said, I want to pray. And they said, we can't, we, we can't have children. I said, okay, okay, okay. Let's just close our eyes. Right? Close your eyes. Look into the spirit. And as I looked, I saw a beautiful child. And I said to that lady, you're going to have a child. I can see it. She actually had three. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. So they, they were sitting there thinking, it's not possible for us to have children. That's what they were thinking. But with God, there's always a way. Amen. With prayer and IVF, by the way, just to tell you the full story. Prayer and IVF. Then there was another couple. Same. In fact, some of you know Joanne Farrell. Joanne Farrell, I sent her from before this church was planted. Rick Seward came and asked us to send a team from Dublin. And we sent Joanne as part of that team. Joanne married a guy from here. They moved up to Coventry. But same story. I can't have children. It's not possible for me. But through a lot of prayer, a lot of patience and IVF, four in one go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Now, my point is, can God have children? That's my point. These were women who desperately wanted children, but how is it going to be? And God made a way. Now, just think about this for a moment. This is not, you, there is no theology for this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit exist in eternity. But you can't have another God, can you? There can only be one God. So what's God going to do? How does God extend his kingdom? How does God grow this love and share this love? How? How? And even though I don't understand, I don't think there's anybody on this earth who understands the full story. The answer is through the salvation that's found in the cross of Jesus Christ coming into this world for you and for your adoption, right? That somehow, as I sat with NCAM in Glasgow and she said, how can it be, right? Or sat with other couples who can't have children, how can it be? Can you imagine God in history wanting to extend his family? But it was a costly way. It was a mightily, mightily costly way. And that tells us, your parents pay 75 grand for you or whatever. God the Father gave the life of his own son so that I'm adopted. This morning, as we close, there is a thing called adopted child syndrome. Have you ever heard of that? It's children who get adopted for whatever reason, turn against their parents. Some of them even kill their parents. There's one in uh, America just recently, one in the Philippines as well just recently. What's all that about? Do you know someone who was once saved who today doesn't want to talk about God? Adoptive child syndrome. And there are some who, even though they're brought into the kingdom, even though they're given the status of heir, even though they're called sons and all of that grace, there are some, for whatever reason, who take a wrong turn and walk away from this same God. That's what Israel did. And as we pray now in one moment, I want you to leave this place feeling like a son that you remember in times of crisis you cry Abba Father that you speak to your children fathers and mothers speak to your children and make sure that there's engagement that it's you that they go to and if you want prayer for that come and talk to us
Yeah, it's very important. You leave this place as a son, an heir, and knowing that you're fully adopted and then share that with your family. Stand with me. Evelyn, could you prepare yourself to pray? Evelyn, for those of you who don't know, is a midwife and spends her entire life surrounded by babies and mothers. And I want us to receive that spirit of adoption for our families, for ourselves. God, if there's anything I lack within me, would you make it up as a father? Anything we lack within us, would you make it up as mothers? And we pray for the mothers around the world, those who feel like they have no option. Would you show them the option of Christ, the option of faith, the option of repentance and salvation? Bring healing across this world, Father, in Jesus' name. We also lift win next Saturday and pray that any women suffering in this area will find a place of solace in this event. We call them in the spirit to come and to be healed, to be set free to be endorsed as children of God in Jesus' name. Just going to ask Evelyn to pray for the mums. I don't know, but I have a song in my heart. We are heirs of the Father, and we are joint heirs with the Son. I'm not sure if the worship team can sing it for us. We are heirs of the Father, we are joint heads with the Son. certainty that indeed we are. That even if we don't feel it, the Bible says, and yet we are. So we thank you for reminding us again today. Though we have forgotten and sometimes we don't even realize it, that because of Jesus, we are adopted. We are joined here with your son. And that Lord you have raised us and seated us with him in the heavenly realm. Far above all principalities and powers. That is what your word says Lord. And we have sung today that Lord your, our trust is your promises. And our confidence is your faithfulness. And that is what we hold on to. Father, thank you for the miracle of childbirth. Thank you, O oh Lord, that we can't fathom how you did it. 
Lord, the hymn writer says, I don't know how you did it, and yet you did it, Lord. When we see how children are made, how babies are made, and how they are delivered, even the, 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 the mechanisms involved in baby born, oh, Jesus, it shows that you are a wonderful God. The Lord... When your word says you are able to do far more exceedingly great than what we can imagine, think, or ever dream of, indeed you can. For that matter, we pray for mothers in this house who are looking up to you, Lord. You did it for Joanne, Lord. I pray that you will do it that a year by this time we can stand and testify. The Lord, we cry out to you. And you did it. Thank you, O oh Lord. We appreciate the fact that we are joint heads with you. And so we can cry out to you that, Father, hear us and grant our sisters who are crying to you babies, O oh God. Because your word says they are gifts from you. May you gift them, O oh God, with this precious jewel. We are grateful that you hear us. And even as I pray, I pray for us mothers, Lord, who our children cannot even speak to us. Who our children cannot speak to us, Lord. We want to bond with them. We want to touch them, Lord. Just as you have touched us this day, oh Lord. That we can bond with our children. That they can feel free to come to us. As we feel free to come to you. Father, this afternoon you says we are joint heads with Jesus. We pray, make it so for us. Make it so for us. Because we are heads and because we are children. Father, if your word says so, that yes, indeed we are, then this sonship, will you translate it into our children? That instead of them running to their friends and running out, they will run to us. Lord, because we have the mind of Christ. That's what your word says. You said Christ in us, the hope of glory. Father, you said that we are your children. Let it be this day that this miracle, Father, we want to experience it and our children and our children and our family experience it. We thank you that you are able to do it because you are our Father. For we say, Lord, we're reminding you about the song that, Lord, your faithfulness is our confidence. Our confidence is in your faithfulness, Lord. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I'm personally blessed beyond measure. I think this has been an amazing Mother's Day.